Welcome to this week's episode of Eye of the Swarm, Season 4, Episode 13, with our new production engineer, San Yun Shrestha. I think I got that right. I'm going to say your name right at some point. I promise I will get that right. He's just going to kind of look at me and go, yeah, whatever, buddy. So Asanyum Shrestha in the control room of the Big Sound, Matt Johnson. I am John Garver, and I said episode 13, and we are now, this is the second most episodes we've done in a year. We wow. picked a really bad time to start a podcast because we got interrupted by COVID for a couple of years. That wasn't our fault, though. That wasn't our fault, but yeah, actually 13 <laughs> episodes now. This is the second longest season we've had. we got a ways to go to hit the, uh, the all-time mark, but you know what? All right, we finally got into a groove, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we seem to have uh, found, found our groove here. Uh, today was a little bit more challenging to get into the uh, recruiting, recording studio because um, if we really wanted to title this particular podcast, we could have named it Blowing and Drifting. Um, on a Thursday. More normally, ways than one. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, we, uh, we normally record uh, these podcasts, of course, on Wednesdays. Today we had to do it on a Thursday. Um, Garver had a meeting on Wednesday. Garver had a meeting on Wednesdays that he couldn't get off, so we pushed it back a day. Uh, not knowing that we were going to be hit with more blowing and drifting snow, correct? Um, and more snow, just period, coming up. Um, but uh, yeah, it made for an interesting commute in. I'll say that on my end. I mean, it's about a twenty-minute, twenty-five-minute drive for me to get here anyway, and uh, um, it wasn't much more than that. But uh, yeah, you could tell people were nervous on the road today. Well, and I, <laughs> you I, know, I'll, I'll take the snow though. Right. I, when I when I lived in North Dakota, they had snurt. We're going back to the snurt stories. Yes, snurt, <laughs> and you know, which is a, a mix of snow and dirt. Yeah, I was about to say. For those of you who don't know, yes, it's, yeah. it, that's that's what snurt is. It's an actual thing out there, and it hurts. Well, yeah, because there's dirt. You're in getting there. sand to the face. Well, yeah, you know, so the wind is blowing like this, which it tends to do in North Dakota. You you would get all this sand to the face. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 snurt hurts. I would imagine. It's, yeah. It's so not good I, for you. Will, it's not good for your car. I will. No, it's not good for your car. And they don't salt roads out there. They put sand down. Okay. You know, so it's, in really? addition, yeah, it, at least in, in Grand Forks where I was living, they did not allow the streets to be salted. Everything was with sand. Oh, okay. Which obviously better for your shoes, better for your sidewalks, better for your vehicles. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, in some sense. Uh, it's not rust. You know, they don't eat out into rust like salt does, but you get right. scratches and everything from the sand. But I digress. But between what they put down on the roads and the sidewalks and just from being surrounded by farm country, there's a lot of dirt blowing around. Oh, yeah. So then when the wind would whip up like this, you end up with snow and dirt or snurt. So I will take what we have here right. over the, the snurt that I was introduced to during my time. Well, and the reason Dakota. why there's snurt is because there's nothing to break anything up either. I mean, it's, it's high plains out there, baby. It is. I mean, it is. It is. Anyone who's ever been out in that part of the country uh, knows that. Fill um, in your favorite joke. I watched my dog run away for a week. <laughs> You know, I I, right, I, yeah, I looked I mean, west and I saw my own bald spot. I yeah, mean, it's 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 flat, flat. Yeah. Like it is very very flat. Um, you know, thankfully we do have the hill in Duluth, um, and we do have some natural stuff that does break it up a little bit. Right, Lake Superior does not help us. Does not. Um, but we do have trees, <laughs> and we do have hills. <laughs> None of which they have in North Dakota no. or neither of which at least they have yes, in that area of North Dakota. Yes, it is very very so flat. So that there. is that makes the 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 explanation of the existence of snurt that much more correct. Um that much more real. Yes. Um uh, but uh yeah, I mean I was I I almost was thinking on the way in today when I was walking in I uh, could have used some snowshoes. Mm -hmm. Because there were a couple of drifts that I kind of had to dodge on the way in. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering what it's going to look like when we get done recording. So, <laughs> good question here. So yeah, yeah. we'll see what that's going to look like. Hopefully, it's uh, 
all good for the teams that are going to be traveling today and tomorrow. And uh, Yeah, see, that's that's the other thing. I mean, yeah. there are teams going to be on the road here, and I don't know how long this is supposed to continue today. I it sounded looked. like things were going to taper off, and they're saying only like two to four inches, which is not, not for, a lot. For this but, area, it's no big deal. But, but blowing and drifting. When you get the blowing and drifting, suddenly you've got knee-high drifts out there. Right, yeah, exactly, and that, that plays havoc, of course. I mean, I'm sure that the DOTs are – out Th- they're there. on it. Yeah, exactly. You know, they, they do. The two states are both out there and trying to do their best. But yep. um, yeah, I mean, sometimes we forget that we got all that snow early. We still have another two and a half, at least three months. Shut up. More Matt. of winter. And I don't know. I've already heard, heard people talking about uh, worrying about our, our annual snowfall numbers for the year. So. I don't know. I'm just uh, well. Every time it happens, spring sports get pushed back another couple of yeah, days. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so thankfully, we don't have to worry about them for a few more weeks here. But yeah, a little uh, bit yeah, before they they get into action here, so. they are looming. So. They are. They're yep. just around the corner. But yep. anyway, let's jump into what happened here last week because uh, four teams in action. Let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we'll lead off with men's basketball. So for the simple fact that they're on a nice little run right now, they really are. They're playing they're really playing well. Some good ball. Um, yeah, they're playing really well. They're getting a lot of minutes from a lot of different guys mm-hmm. and a lot of contributions across the board. So. Uh, now we're up to six straight wins now, um, nine and six overall, four and one in the UMAC. They've won, like I said, their last six. They haven't lost since uh, that tournament down in uh, yeah, Naples, since Florida. Stevens Point before Christmas. Yeah, since before Christmas. So you since know? before the break. And in so. reality, like you'd said, if that's a f- that game goes five minutes longer, they win that too. Yeah. So yeah, they've exactly. been playing some really good ball. Really here good for ball. Over a month. Yeah, they're they're stringing together some good stuff mm-hmm. right now. Um, and they won all three games they played last week. Uh, two of them on the road. They defeated Crown 86-75 on Friday at the Wild Athletic Center in St. Bonifacius, Minnesota, before downing Minnesota Morris 72-66 to at Jim Grimmel's Court in Morris on Saturday. And then they wrapped up the week with an 83-49 to win over Finlandia at Pavo Nermi Center in Hancock, Michigan. Against Crown, UWS broke a 39-39 draw at halftime while scoring the Polars by 11 at 47-36 to in the second half. For the game, the Jackets shot 53.7% and had four players scoring double figures, led by Joseph Fahrenholtz, who scored 18 points, making 9 out of 16 from the field. T.J. Moberg added 14 points, while Reed Johnson and Levy Miguel each added 11 points. Against Morris, the Jackets outscored the Cougars by three in each half. Fahrenholtz again with a nice game, 19 points, 9 out of 19 from the field. Javon Walker had 14, while Joy Barker finished with 12 points. And then against Finlandia, the Yellow Jackets jumped out to a big early lead and then cruised the rest of the way as the entire roster played and 14 players scored. Including Andrew Canelius from three-quarter court. Did you yes, see that? Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. That I, was unbelievable. I, uh, it was funny because at the end of that uh, the half, I saw him heave it, and I thought, oh, that's going to be way wide right. Because it looked like from the vantage point that that he was He played the direction. win, though. He played yeah, the win. he played the win. <laughs> but then next thing you know, they finally panned the camera over and bang. Yep. You know, and I thought, oh, I hope that, that counts. And, you know, they, they counted it. So, awesome. Gunalius ended up with 12 points, by the way, in that game. So, he had a nice game. Uh, like I said, all 14 or 14 of the players that played for the Jackets scored in the game. Reed Johnson had 13. Gunalius, as I mentioned, had 12. And Fahrenholtz and Joey Barker each had 10 points. Barker also had nine rebounds. So, he just missed a double-double. And Joseph Fahrenholtz. He's playing some really good ball right now. Yeah, Joey's playing really well. Uh, you know, he's, he's not the biggest forward in the world. He's about 6'4", six, 6'5", six, but really strong physically. Yep. Uh, he takes up the basketball, and he plays really smart. Mm-hmm. Joey doesn't take a lot of ill-advised shots, um, and he, you know he's learned how to how to you know how to kind of fit his game in with what the what the team needs. Right. Um, you know he's he's not a guy that is uh, averaging in double figures. He's close. He's like nine point six or nine point seven right now points per game. Um, but you know that's fine. They've got four guys that are averaging between nine and fifteen. So yep. uh, that's what you want. 
and uh, so the Jackets playing really good ball right now. Really good ball. Uh, big big test for them this weekend, though. Yeah, we'll talk they about that. They get a chance to final. make a statement here yeah, this weekend. Yeah, they do. Uh, Joe Fahrenholtz, by the way, named UMAC Player of the Week for the first time this year, so congratulations to Big Joe. He's, mm-hmm. uh, he's having a heck of a senior year yeah, there. Yeah, he so. Congratulations all around to them. Women's basketball now 5-8 and eight overall, 3-2 and two in the UMAC. They lost a pair of games last week, unfortunately. They fell to crown 56-49 at the Wild Athletic Center in St. Bonifacius on Friday before falling to Morris. 61-51 on Saturday at Jim Grimmel's Court in Morris, Minnesota against Crown. The Jackets trailed 17-16 after one and 29-26 at the half before the Poilers extended the lead to 41-35 after three. Jackets never got closer than six points the rest of the way and shot just 25.5%. So tough shooting night. Chloe Peterson led the way for the Jackets, 12 points. Katie Dobson had 11, and Elise Bessonen had 10. And then against Morris, Jackets got off to a good start, led by five after one, 13-8. But from there, the Cougars went on an 18-6 burst in the second to lead 26-19 at the half. From there, Morris outscoring the Yellow Jackets, 20-15 in the third for a 46-34 lead, heading to the fourth. Jackets, again, struggling from the field, shot just 32.8%. And were led by Elise Bessonen with 15 points, while Katie Dobson had 11 points. And right now, they're just really struggling shooting the ball. Yeah. That's that's basically the, that's what it comes the down nuts to. and bolts of it. <laughs> yep, that's they're just not making enough shots. and. That's an area that uh, the Jackets are going to need to improve, and I'm sure that uh, uh, Emily Carpenter and the coaching staff are trying to work on that as we speak. But mm-hmm. when you get into a shooting slump like that, it's, it's, you just got to shoot your way out of it. Yep. That's the best way you can do it. There's no other really way to do it. And uh, unfortunately, they're in a bit of a funk in that regard right now. So yeah. hopefully they'll come out of it sooner rather than later. Women's hockey, 8-9 and nine overall, 1-4 and four in the WIAC. Lost a pair of games last week against a top-10 opponent in UW-Eau Claire, following the Blue Golds 3-1 on Friday. At Hobbs Ice Arena in Eau Claire before getting shut out 3-0 in the return matchup on Saturday at Westman Arena. On Friday, Eau Claire scored single goals in each period while the Yellow Jackets' lone goal came from Lucy Drugas, unassisted at 19-10 of the second period. Rose Beeman made 25 saves in goal to take the loss on Friday. And then on Saturday, the Blue Goals scored twice in the first and added their third goal of the game in the second. Rose Beeman made 40 saves in goal for UWS. And again, just not enough goals. Yeah. And tough it, to do it against that team, though. It's tough because yeah. they're, they're so sound. Eau Claire is a really sound team. They're, yeah. they're, they they can score, they can skate, and they're really good defensively. And that's that's a tough test. Yep, that's a real tough test. Yep. That's a good club. Yeah, they're always good. That's a good uh, club. You know, they're they're a top ten team every year, and it doesn't get any easier for the Yellow Jackets no, this week. It doesn't. We'll talk about that in our final segment. Mm-hmm. And then men's hockey, ten six and one overall, five and two in the WIAC. They split two non conference games last week, defeating Gustavus Adolphus six to three on Friday at Don Roberts Ice Rink in St. Peter before falling to Hamlin 2-1 in overtime at Tria Rink in St. Paul, Minnesota on Saturday against Gustavus. UWS scored four of their six goals in the second period. Colin Peterson, Tristan Therrien, Connor McLean, Zach Bannister, Matt Francois, and C.J. Walker all scored for the Jackets, while Dylan Milan got the winning goal with 14 stops. And then against the Pipers, UWS's lone goal came from C.J. Walker at 13-35 of the first to even that game at 1-1. Then they played six, or excuse me, 40 straight minutes of scoreless hockey, before they went into overtime, where Hamlin's Ryan Brandt scored the game winner, unassisted at 105 to give the Pipers the win. Miles Hector made 20 saves in goal for UWS to take that loss. And I saw a tweet from you about that Hamlin game, though, where the loss kind of ruined it a little bit because it was actually a really good game. It was a real good game, yeah. you know. And 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 I mean, they going back to Friday, they played well Friday. Uh, they tried to cough it up in the second period with a five-minute stretch where they were. I think coach said, you know. Basically, we were totally inept for five minutes, and it almost cost us. Okay. And then they snapped out of it, and everything was fine. Saturday, they played well. They played well, especially in that second period. They outshot Hamlin 17-4 in the second period. Right. They just couldn't score a goal, you know? And uh, 
but that, it was it was a good hockey game. Yeah, and it was just a disappointing finish. You know, that, and I think the turning point came early in the third. They took a five into major. Okay, and Hamlin didn't score on that power play, but it shifted the energy a little the, bit. It definitely shifted the momentum, and the Jags just couldn't get their legs underneath them. They couldn't get anything going after that. Okay, and then turnover in overtime. Yep, you know. Yeah, yeah, and then that's what happens. But uh, disappointing finish, kind of a gut punch because it was a good hockey game. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like they're playing okay then for the most part. And yeah, they are, and they, you know, and they have to be because yeah. now you're about to walk into, the, you know, the grind of of WIAC play the rest of the way. You got eight right. games left, and right. none of them are going to be easy. Nope. So nope. Got it. Got it. Now's the time. Buckle you gotta, up. It's yeah. Got to put the pedal to the metal and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and see where you where you come out uh, at the end of the season here. So yep. So, so, yeah, that's the week that was. Men's and Women's Indoor Track and Field is, is in action this week, but they were idle last week. So yeah. that's all that uh, happened last week. And like I said, hopefully we'll have uh, some more good results coming up this week. We talk about the grind for the men's program. It's going to be a grind for the women as well because they also are in the heat of the stretch run of uh, the uh, WIAC season, and the uh, it's just as big a meat grinder on the women's side as it is on the men's. Yep, so absolutely. We'll talk about that a little bit more in our next segment. Uh, team captain C.C. Hayes, head coach Dan Laughlin from the Yellow Jacket women's team, will be joining us right after this timeout when Eye of the Swarm continues right after this. sure we're ready for this expansion of course we're ready for it it's a great idea let's celebrate with a vacation i'm thinking <laughs> hawaii we're ready for you is it okay if my friend comes with of course imagination's always welcome here bring us your best ideas let's see how we can help national bank of commerce imagination's welcome <laughs> We're back for the roundtable segment of this week's Eye of the Swarm, and it's time for us to head to the rink and talk a little bit of hockey as we have the Yellow Jacket women's head hockey coach, Dan Laughlin, with us, along with the grandmother, you said? Well, yeah, that was sort of – I'm going to just copyright that and say that that was given to me by Coach Dan Laughlin. Okay. The grandmother of the team, CC Hayes. So thank you to both for uh, for coming by on a game day as we record this on a Thursday, and uh, you have a a road date with – UW-River Falls later tonight. We'll touch on that in a little bit. But uh, let's start off with you, Coach. In 20 years, you, you kind of it, it kind of rang in my head when I did the math on the fifth-year senior and a quarter of your career she's been here. So 20 years as the head coach of the Yellow Jackets. Uh, you, you've seen a lot. I have uh, been very blessed to see that that much, too. It's um, it's, been, it's been a good... Uh, tour I guess you know and uh, we just want to continue it but yeah I know just very thankful to to uh, you know be able to do this especially graduating here and getting uh, two degrees here and everything and, and just coming back to your your uh, your own colleges it's a it makes it extra special so very very thankful for the 20 years that's been given go back to the beginning and because it was it was kind of a, a rocky time for the program with uh, the coaching change and Dean Reed taking over the women's program. How did you end up becoming a member of his staff? Uh, I was uh, doing demolition in Grand Forks, North Dakota. I did a stretch in Grand Forks, North Dakota. (laughs) And uh, I was on the Air Force Base, and I I always remember it. I was an excavator ripping down an old dorm on on the base, and uh, the phone rang, and it was Nellie, Steve Nelson, and 
and he said, hey, we need uh, an assistant coach to help Dean Reed. And, and uh, I said, well, I, you know, I can't come right now, but when I get back here, uh, I'll, uh, I'll talk it over with, the, with my employer. And um, it was a pretty big leap. I was making pretty good money doing construction and, uh, you know, walking into an assistant job 20 years ago wasn't much. Um, but I took it. And, uh, and from there, uh, you know, that's what kind of started it. And, uh, I owe it all to Dean Reed. I, I've always thought of Dean every year. He, uh, he gave the ball to me and, and that was, that was something I'll never forget. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how it all started. Before we start to progress a little bit here, what, not your first coaching stop though, because you did some coaching prior to this. Right. So talk a little bit about that. Uh, when I was, uh, kind of going through my master's year and, uh, you know, after this, after playing here, I uh, was at uh, senior high for three years as an assistant. Um, very fortunate to uh, be a part of that group. A lot of really good players went through that system that went on to play Division One, um, and then uh, had a little stint um, in the USHL as an assistant coach with Sioux City Musketeers, and then uh, from there went on to coach AAA Madison, the Capitals. Um, that was fun with Bob Suter. Um, so, yeah, it, it was uh, it was good. It was all those all those really educated me. I took everything I could from everyone and uh, and have put it in uh, practice now. Sioux City, the most unique rink ever. It is for you. I mean, for me, it was. It is. I mean, as a I played in it a lot, and uh, being a defenseman in that building is not good. Cause <laughs> You were bruised every time you left there, so um, it was like playing in a bathtub. Yeah, we it was a shoebox. You know, figure a standard rink is 200 feet by 85 feet, and this rink, I believe, was 160 by 70. Yeah. So it was... Uh, not a whole lot of time and space. Not a lot of time and space. You crossed the red line, you had a good shot. <laughs> you know, you, you had a good shot, you might as well take it. So, so they still play in that building? They do not. Okay. No, that is... Uh, they, they built a new facility, I want to say, in about almost 20 years ago now okay and it was kind of cool that they incorporated the old building into the new one so you can still see the corner of the old building okay in the new building which is kind of neat but they uh the new one or the old building now is like a, a family fun center okay a climbing wall and you know pickleball courts ah because we were talking know. pickleball earlier yeah. so yeah all of, all of those kinds of things it's really a shame you know because it was such a unique rink in that league i played there for right. half a season and you know it was the only rink that had a legitimate organ mm-hmm. with an, a legitimate organ player and it had everything was this ugly orange color and mm. and all of that but it was just such a, a unique place so that's why I kind of wanted you to touch on that a little bit yeah. it, it, it's funny with uh you know and all the coaching stops and then uh, you know ending up here if, you know if I would have stayed in Sioux City or something you know who knows what but you know the fate and and everything brought me back here, so I'm very, again, happy and fortunate for that. Who were you with in Sioux City? Was it Dave Lorai? Yeah, Dave Lorai, and we got, uh, I don't know if you remember Scotty Gomez. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had his rights. Yep. And um, You put him on the suspended list. Well, the league really wanted him in the USHL. And, right. And Gomez wanted to go to Omaha or something, so the general manager gave him away for cash, and, and then that uh, – the head coach didn't like it. Dave Loray, he got fired, and he goes, "If I'm going, you're going." And so my career there is very short. <laughs> but um, 
but it, I did learn a lot. It was fun. It was it was a good time, and uh, it was it was a very exciting time. It was yep. fun. And the coach took over him as in the NHL now, right. Dave Haxtell. So know. you know, know. Maybe if you would have stuck around, know. who knows? That's, that's what I'm saying. You could be in the show right now. But I'm I'm very happy where I'm at right now. But you're you you you've been here now 20 years, and uh, ups, downs, peaks, valleys, trials, tribulations, however you want to do it. Fill in your favorite cliche there. But uh, let's talk a little bit about. About this season here, about 22-23, a uh, little bit of a roller coaster. Started off really well, had a little bit of a dip, then got it back going again. So let's talk a little bit about the year and how this has unfolded for you. Yeah, I mean, I guess roller coaster would be a good term there. Um, you know, it's it's hard, right? As a coach, you, you plan for the best, you expect the best, um, you know, and then sometimes it, it doesn't work out. It's just the way it is for any sport. I don't care if it's a team sport or individual. It's like Tiger Wood. Tiger Woods goes out to play his best. He he probably practices better than anyone else. But maybe uh, you know one weekend he doesn't have his stuff. So again, that that's that million dollar question. And you can throw all the stuff. You know we're we're a young team and all that. Um, but I, I think we're. I think we know we are a very good team. Um, it's just being on, uh, good consistently and, and that's, that's a hard thing to do. It's, um, especially with the team sport, you know, you're relying on everybody. And, um, so I think we're like, we're starting to see, um, we're getting some results where you start seeing the hard work and, and everything that you put into it, start paying off. And again, that excites, excites team and, uh, you know, they want to do it again. So I think we're getting there, and I think there's a little bit to the youth with that, you know, uh, getting a, a team that's, you know, that wants to win and continue to win. It's a hard thing to do. and uh, But once you turn that page, that's when you know you got it. And I, I think we're very, very, very close to turning that page. From a, a captain standpoint, from a, a grandma standpoint, I'm going to keep saying that just because it, it gives you this, this look on her face, like, please stop saying that. <laughs> But from from your standpoint, being the the older player in the room, how do you how do you get those young players? Because you have a lot of freshmen, you have a lot of sophomores. How do you get them to have that belief that they can do that on a consistent basis? Um, I think it starts in practice, just encouraging to always try their hardest, and I think we do a good job at keeping each other accountable. Um, I guess like being the one who wears a letter doesn't define who everyone else is because everyone else in that room is a leader too so i think we do do a good job um encouraging each other and keeping each other accountable like that yeah just real quick on that i you know when and john you know it like even on the men's side probably you know i'd say three quarters of our players in that room were probably a captain in their high school or or you know midgets wherever they played um, so you're, you're bringing in a lot of leadership and, you know, and everyone's good in that locker room too. So it, it, it's that transition of, you know, I was, I was the leader and now I'm, you know, not really the leader. And so I think there's that little learning curve too of coming in and, you know, you know, just being more of that, uh, team player. I've always put a lot of stock in that, of recruiting captains. Yeah. And I don't know if it's different in hockey than it is in other sports, you know, because I've, I'm not involved in any of that. But I, I've i always felt you could tell when you have a room that has a lot of captains in it. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure as a player, you, you, you knew it. 
you could tell when you were in a room that had people who wore letters and you you could tell when you were in a room when people you had a room that people that didn't wear letters right. and I, I imagine I'm probably not the only one that feels that way right right oh yeah yeah for sure I mean and again you know that's that's a little bit part of that uh, I guess the youth part is you know a lot of these players were coming from high school and they were playing penalty kill power play five and five four and four three and three they were doing everything Playing 30 minutes a game and then they get here and you know they're they're not doing that and and that's that's you know it's kind of a little map to to draw you know for them uh, uh, to their course of it'll come it'll come but just be patient and again i think all that and cc's done a great job with with you know again she's been here for this is her fifth year so when she first came in you know she wasn't on the power plays and anything too so she can really talk to that team about that and and uh, you know just continue to encourage and get them working hard i thought it was interesting john that you brought up the <clears throat> the fact that you know you recruit leaders you bring in leaders for moments like this um cc you've been in the program obviously now five years um you've seen a lot of players come and go this year's been more players coming than going you know because you're basically sitting you know as I don't want to say in the catbird seat but as a leader you're basically looked on or looked upon by everybody to kind of set the tone a little bit because that's kind of what leaders do they really kind of set the tone for the rest of the team um, and I want to go a little bit beyond what's going on on the ice a lot of different personalities come into when you got a bunch of new players coming in I mean some players are really focused on on you know achieving things on the ice ex exclusively where they're sort of like you know they get maybe tunnel vision in that regard and others are trying to fit into the group a little bit more perhaps as a fifth year senior what has it been like for you to try to bring all those kind of different personalities that come in inevitably when you bring in a new class of players uh, what's that process been like for you to try to get everybody on the same page I guess it's not just my role again like we have a bunch of girls in the locker room who are great leaders and um, we do a great job working together like we pride ourselves on our culture culture is a big thing in our locker room and I think there's a difference in between um, discussing culture and living our culture and again it goes back to that accountability and I think we do a great job keeping each other accountable and just like encouraging and staying positive in the locker room. I know when there's like slumps down the road, like um, it gets difficult at times, but again, like keeping each other accountable and always working hard to be the best that we can be kind of keeps us together. Keeping it kind of simple, really. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, because I was a former team captain as well when I played. And John, I don't know if you were or not, but I was for a couple of years. And, um, like my my basic stance when I played was to try to manage everybody's personalities and try to make sure that everybody respected my opinion, but also respected each other in the same way. Um, maybe I was looked on to to have the final word in some things, you know, as a certain le level. And you know, I I wasn't one of those people though who laid down the law to people very often. Um, but my biggest thing was just trying to lead not just by words and by reaching out to people on a personal personal level. I wanted to show them how we wanted to play as well as being the kind of person we wanted to be, you know, when we were off the ice or off the court or off the field or whatever like that. And I don't know, sometimes that comes natural, I feel like, for some people. And for other people, it's a real struggle. Sounds like there's something, though, that kind of comes naturally to you and, and to some of the upperclassmen in the room. Yeah, I, I think, you know, not speaking for CC, but the one thing that has stayed true 
since the very first day of class when we had our first kind of team meeting is our culture. We've we've bought into it. It's it is a living culture. It's not just something on the locker room wall or you know, it is it. We are living it, and this group has stayed together. Um, you know, we, we got our we got our four words we go by, but I mean we have lived it. Um, through the peaks, like John said, a lot of valleys, a lot of peaks, you know, a lot of climbing, a lot of falling, but again, we stay true to that, and and CC again, um, you know, she leads that, but also the whole team has, helps keep each other accountable to that, and, and even me, you know, because even I'll get, you know, a little frustrated here, and you come back to it, and it just, it gets you rooted right back to where you should be, and, and prepares you for, for the next um, journey, so that's one thing that really is this group is awesome. Like it's one of I think it's one of the best culture groups I've had, and that's saying something. We've had really a lot of great teammates and and players here, but as a whole, as a group, this team has really lived their culture, and I'm proud of that. It seems like I mean every team has their their words painted on their locker room wall. You know, you see a picture of a locker room. There's always yep, it, it it's it's all there. And I, I know you touched on it a little bit, CC. I'm going to ask both of you to talk about it. How do you make that turn from t- talking about that culture to actually putting it into action? Right. And we we do have a, kind of a tangible way every day. We, we carry around a poker chip. Um, you have to drop it in the bucket every day. Every day we're together, you have to put it in the bucket. You have to have it on you all the time. Um, every game day it's in the bucket. Um, and uh, the chip is... If you want to know, we're, we're committed. That's the C and chip, hard work, integrity, and perseverance. And, and th- those are our words. And so every day when we, you know, put it into the all-in dish, um, you know, that, that kind of, it's sounds a little goofy, but it's our tangible way of thinking about it every day. I think it's great. You know, like, where's your chip? Where's your chip? And, you know, again, there's times when you can throw that chip in and maybe you're not all in, you know, to those four w- words, but. Again, this group continually, no matter what the scoreboard is or, or what's going on, um, we always come back to that culture piece. And, you know, that, that was established with a lot of coaches I had in the past, of course, with, with Nelly. And, you know, you gotta, you got to have that, that foundation. Otherwise, when things go south, you know, everyone's going to start reaching for things instead of getting back to where we should be. So this team does that. Like, we – resilience – you know, if you want to call it that or whatever, but like we're, we've gone through a little skid here. I expect tonight to be one heck of a game. Like I think we're gonna we're gonna go out there and play how we should be. So, what happens if somebody doesn't have their chip? There's a little bit of skating going on, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, they go home and get it. They go home and get it. I think it's a great idea, though. Yeah. You know, I mean, I didn't think it sounds hokey at all. I thought it sounded actually pretty creative. No, it's fun. Yeah, and that's I since day one with uh, with Dino and and uh, and uh, Rodney Graham. We've always had some form of uh, you know that culture piece, of course, with Nelly and I mean and uh, like you said, it's one thing to have it up on a wall and tap it before you go out or on a game, but to really have a living culture speaks of this group and of our leadership. So makes a good ball marker too on the <laughs> sure golf course. Does. That's what I have mine for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that always works too. 
yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit now because you're you're like the guys now. You're going to be getting into the the stretch drive and uh, crunch time in the WIAC, and I, I just I don't think people understand how difficult top to bottom this conference is. Oh, it is. I mean, uh, I mean tonight we're facing River Falls, who's uh, you know number two in the nation. They just got done with two games against Eau Claire, who's I think eight or nine. Um, you know, when you're playing these teams three times a year, plus the Mayak, you know, they, there's a handful of, uh, not a handful, but at least two or three that are in top ten too. So, I mean, it, you have to be – the parity now in Division Three women's hockey is, is unbelievable. You have to be ready to play every game. Otherwise, you know, it's going to be a struggle. And uh, I think this team knows that. That's a little bit of that youth too. You know, you can't just – Hype up for the big River Falls or Claire games. You got to, you have to play everyone, mm -hmm. and uh, so yeah. Right now we're we're into that stretch of uh, <laughs> pretty pretty hard part of our schedule, um, but again, it's an opportunity to uh, for us to to kind of show what we got. How about for everybody in the room? I, I mean, think we're excited. Yeah, I think we're excited, and I know we had a struggle a couple times in the season, like losing games that we know we should have won but we didn't and I think it's the bounce back from those games that we're excited for to really show who we are and that we can skate with these top 10 teams. I got a chance to watch you guys uh, play Hamlin on the road. I was uh, kind of doing some other things off of the side but I had a chance to watch you guys play against Hamlin and I was really impressed with not only the fact that you swept them because they're they're a top tier program now. They've established themselves as a contender in the Mayak every year, and they've made a couple of NCAA tournaments in there and won the Mayak. So um, that was really impressive. But I was really impressed with you guys' ability to just kind of stick with it. You know, I didn't see any indications that you guys, even as a young team, were at all afraid of them in any way, shape, or form. And that kind of shows some of that maturity also coming out a little bit in this group, the fact that they are so young. But um, I thought you guys played a really good game against them that night. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't see the first game, John. I know you did um, when we played them here. But – I mean, you guys basically, Daniel, and I know you schedule it this way on purpose, but you guys don't really duck anybody. That's kind of where I'm going here. You guys play a tough schedule no matter what. I mean, you do play the Gustavuses and the St. Ben's is coming up as another non-conference here in a couple of weeks at home. And then, um, you know, you've played Hamlin twice and then you get into the Wyack. So, I mean, it's not that you guys aren't playing – you guys are not playing a gimme schedule by any stretch of the imagination. So that makes it that much tougher. But it seems like you guys are starting to come around a little bit. Right. And I always, you know, from – from being here so long, you always know you're you're probably going through River Falls um, or Gus Davis, you know, to get to that NCAA tournament. So yeah, I always schedule them. You know, you want you want you want the team to know what you know was it what you know you could face in, in the playoffs. And I always just it's you know you go back to that Hamlin game. I've we have a really good skating team. Like I think we can skate with anyone when we're going. We can skate with any team out there, um, and when we do, that's to me. That's that I know we're going. And uh, that Hamlin game was fun, even Friday night in Eau Claire. I think we we that was a good carryover from Hamlin to Friday night. You know, we didn't get the scoreboard. I, I've told the team this. You know, who doesn't want the scoreboard at the end of of, of the game? But when you're playing the way we should play. Um, more times than not, we're going to get that scoreboard. So, I mean, we're, we're more focused on how we play than the scoreboard because um, we know if we do play that way, like I just said, we'll probably be on the winning side. So, Let's talk a little bit about you personally. I mean, being the 
typically, you know, you go back to your early years here, Dano, and there was a pretty strong Canadian contingent on the roster. That's less than some now over the last few years. So how did you end up here? Oh. And not just by driving <laughs> in a car. <laughs> I think... Okay, yeah, I was at... <laughs> I couldn't remember. I was. Is this, is this the grandma? Sure. Are, you having, a, are <laughs> you having a quote unquote grandma moment over there? I must be. She. No. Uh, I will say we we saw her play at a tournament uh, over in Duluth. Yeah. Um, and she just stuck out. She was. She played very physical, which I I love, and she still does. <laughs> um, and uh, you know she just stood out, really good in the corners, and uh, and uh, so you can finish at CC, but. Yeah. That's how. That's when I first saw okay. CC play. Cool. Who were you playing? For? <laughs> <laughs> who were um, you playing for when Daniel first saw you? Then, when you were playing a tournament in Duluth, then who would that have been? I honestly don't remember if it was my high school team or if it was. It, I think. Summertime? I think she just joined like a, a northern team where they they're looking for not looking for players, but she was chosen to play. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it wasn't like a. Wasn't like an organized like playing for a no. school team or anything. It was okay. just like a summer fall time, you know, kind of okay. elite league type thing. Yeah, and I just remember I talked to Chili, the old assistant coach, and then just gave me a tour, I think, the day I spoke to her. And then my mom came over. We parked in the the library parking lot because we thought that was the rink. And then we were waiting for <laughs> Chili to come. We are like, where are you? But we were in the wrong place. And so she gave a tour of the rink and told us a little bit about the school and what it's about. But, yeah, I don't know. It was a cool experience. Yeah, former Yellow Jacket, uh, right. Kayla Chilstrom, who – is she she's coaching at or at least she was at St. Olaf. She's at St. Kate's now. No, she's at St. Kate's. Yep. Okay, I know she's moved around a little bit, but uh, yeah, she's a former player of yours, Dano. So yeah. again, that's that culture thing, though, right? Coming down the line, and because yeah. she stuck with you, she was assistant for a couple of years and then yep. Yep. moved on. So you know that kind of feeds right into our conversation about uh, about uh, the culture kind of sticking with you for twenty years. Yeah, I mean it's it's fun to it it really warms my heart when you look back and. You know, Nelly even talks about it too. When you see your former players doing good and you know having a good families and you know good jobs, everything like that. So it, it's fun looking back and seeing everyone's doing well. And um, and this from since day one of this uh, my coaching here. I mean, we've always had a really good um, academic team, um, and so it just goes to prove they're doing it not only on the ice but in the classroom and. And that leads into uh, life after college, too. So, Speaking of, life after college, after five years, probably no more eligibility. I don't think you can pull any more COVID waivers out of the NCAA <laughs> or anything like that. But what uh, what's next on, on your radar? That's a tough question because I still don't know. Okay. <laughs> That's fair, though. Um, that is fair. Yep. I know I definitely want to do something in the medical field. And with my um, undergrads, I'll have to go back to school. I just have to choose. What's your undergrad in? So I'm a double major in exercise science and community and public health. Okay. With a minor in coaching and then another minor in neuroscience. Okay. And typically, not everybody, but typically that kind of leads you into the, the exercise science will lead you into the athletic training area, the personal training area. But I get a feeling that's not exactly where you're looking to go. Not exactly. I think I want more of a hospital setting. Anything specific in a hospital or we? I I think I like to stay busy, so something pretty busy, not an office job. Not an office job. I was thinking along the lines of like orthopedic 
something like that, rehab maybe, because hospitals do run their own orthopedic right. stuff that also goes along with it. The neuroscience angle is interesting because um, that, that kind of – that's a little bit different from the other things. So what led you to going into neuroscience? Are you just interested in it? Uh, it's interesting, and then with the fifth year, I needed to pick up something else. So. Okay, and I needed two more classes, and I would have had this, so I thought, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, for sure. And then I, uh, I'm really excited for my internship I'll have this coming semester, which will hopefully like lead me to choose what I want to go to school for after. Do you see yourself ever going into coaching like uh, Dano here? I don't know. I guess it depends where coaching leads me, but definitely, um, like, I don't know. I grew up playing boys hockey, okay. and I think I could see myself coaching boys hockey mm. and, like, kind of giving back to my community. Okay. Okay. That is also very fair, because that's really what coaching is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're, you're not just, you know. You're not getting rich. No. And it's not, you know, I mean, we chart wins and losses, but that's not really what coaching is about, really. At the end of the day, it goes much deeper than simply what was his one last record? How many years did he coach or she coach? You know, it goes much more than that. It's more about the interpersonal stuff. Yeah. So that sounds like something that could – I wouldn't be surprised if we see CC Hayes on the bench of some team somewhere <laughs> at some point just based on what she's talking about giving back. If you're in that position, whether it – you know, it's it, maybe you are coaching AAA or coaching high school and you have that player that you want to send down here, how are you going to explain <laughs> – <laughs> the program here how are you going to describe things what's your sales pitch going to be to anybody who is thinking about superior oh, and you cannot say don't go there <laughs> <laughs> no it's definitely like a great balance in between academics and athletics i think all of our athletics i think we pride ourselves on our athletics and uh yeah i don't know i guess it depends what they want to go to school for too it's interesting she says that because, I mean, we've been here a long time, Dano. I mean, going all the way back to Dano's sports den in the in the Promethean back in the, the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. Sports here weren't always a point of pride. No. Um, I mean, when I first – now I'm getting before you, Garbs, but when Nelly first recruited me, um, I think, you know, he won five games mm-hmm. when I came in the year before. So mm-hmm. that next – my freshman year there – you guys um, were kind of the wave that started to turn it. Right. We we kind of, you know, I think we got 12 wins, and then that next year is when we, yeah, went through the roof. So, I mean, yeah, it's that was a that was a fun journey. It's interesting, though, because, you know, and, and I've been lucky in my career because, and John and I talk about this, um, how each program has really kind of built right now. Like, we really we don't have too many weak spots in the athletic department right now. I mean, most of the teams are – performing at a pretty darn high level. And uh, that, like you said, wasn't always the case. Right. You said you remember the days when it was pretty lean, Mm -hmm. you know, except for certain sports like men's hockey. Right. Everything else was pretty lean. And now we've had a run where we've had multiple teams make NCAA tournaments. And, you know, so uh, things are going well right now, to say the least. Um, But, you know, one of the things that is really cool in the CCC come back for five years, because, you know, not all CCC. (laughs) <laughs> CC come back <laughs> for five years. <laughs> um, it, it really speaks though to the continuity within the within the, the community um, because as as well as the teams are performing, I think it's more about the individuals that are associated with it. The fact that the athletic department actually as a whole supports each other really really well, and I was happy to hear that you know CC kind of she recognizes that combination of both athletics but also academics and also community. 
because UWS really is, it's a small community, but it's also a very uh, supportive community of just about everybody, you know, because you're going to see a lot of athletes and students at, at each other's games and stuff whenever they have the opportunity. So um, that's really cool. And I don't know, CC, if that's if that made a big difference in you staying all these years. and Because, and, and, I mean, players come and go. You know, that's, that's part of, of college sports, especially at the D3 level. But UWS has always been, and I say this as somebody who went to a MIAC school for undergrad, UWS is really, in my view, very unique in the community aspect of it, just because it really is truly a, a community feel. And I don't know if that was another selling point for you when you came here, but that's, that's definitely what I've gotten from all my years of being associated with UW Spear. Yeah, like going to the games, especially the men's games, it's not uncommon for a bunch of little kids from the community to be out and like grandparents or even um, teachers will come watch us, which is super cool. It's nice, I think, um, having a smaller school with like less people, smaller numbers, it's nice to be on a first name basis with your teacher instead of just like a number compared to larger schools like d1 schools or even like schools in canada you know i know you're you're, i'm looking at the clock here because i know it is a game day for you you're gonna have to get on the bus and with the weather and everything today your your trip is bound to be a little longer than you expected so we'll cut it off here and then let you all get going so cc hayes head coach dan laughlin thanks for coming by thank you thank you we're gonna take a break we'll come back with more of eye of the swarm right after this Orkers Island Inn is now hiring and there's a position just for you. Apply for front desk, housekeeper, bartender, server, cook, and dishwasher. We're hiring great people like you. Call or click for more information and apply today. We're back for our final segment of this week's Eye of the Swarm. And as that, that conversation was happening, Matt, I, I remember the the point where you were the wins and losses is such a small part of coaching. Right. Yeah. And, you know, two, two things about that. First off, I, I can, I, I remember when Eddie Morgan was here as right. the baseball yeah. coach and he, he would tell people that he's a life coach and they'd be like, Oh really? That's interesting. What do you do? He goes, well, I, I'm a college baseball coach. I'm like, Oh, whatever. He goes, no. Right. Yeah. That's that's not at all what this is. Baseball is only one piece right. of yeah. what I am actually doing here. You know, I am in human development. Right. And I've got yeah. people at a very key stage of their lives and I'm developing them into right. adults and productive people in society. Right. You know, through through sport. Right. Using sport yeah. as the vehicle to make them better people. And I always thought that was a really interesting way to put that. And then the other point of when you're talking about culture. You know, and as we we've had a situation come up with a, in a former teammate of mine, and the he reached out to some of us, and the way that his former teammates responded, and came to his his aid. You know, it made me reach out to Coach Nelson and just say it says a lot about him right, as an individual, yeah. not not Steve, but the the individual that we are helping, but it says a ton. Right. about the culture that Steve built here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it just it was it was interesting listening to that and you know you may not always understand all that stuff at the time when it's happening. Right. When you're an athlete and you're just 
you know, what is what is coach talking about? That, right. That, you yeah. Know, yeah. This has nothing to do with playing Bemidji on Friday. What is he talking about here? Right. Yeah. But then 20, 25, 30 years down the road, the light bulb comes on and goes, that's what coach was talking about. Well, at the end of the that's day, that's what coach was right. building. At the end of the day, I mean, I'm not saying that wins and losses don't matter at all. Um, and at different levels, it definitely does matter more. You know, if you're going into the big money sports, it definitely is a big part of what they do. Um, but even at that level, there is way more to it than simply, uh, you know, where I'm going to roll out my, you know, my players and they're just either going to win or they're going to lose. And, 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 it, and it's either going to make us look good or look bad. Mm-hmm. There's way more to it than that. It's about also being able to, um, uh, you know, build relationships with people. That's what really that's what athletics is at every level. I mean, even at the professional level, um, the, di- the dynamics of the relationships might change a bit depending on whether you're dealing with pros or college or what division you're at, whether it's one, two, or three. But um, at the end of the day, there is still that basic human element. Um, Sometimes the human element gets stripped away a bit too much, um, especially by fans and media, uh, especially at the Division I level. But it's regardless of whether you want to go on social media and talk about how awful they played or talk about how so-and-so had a horrible game and all this kind of stuff. At the end of the day, it still is about building relationships within the team itself, between the coaches and the players, and uh, and, and the greater community, hopefully. If it's done the right way, hopefully the greater community. Right. Um, and that's that was kind of like the point of where I was trying to go there, is that I think UWS does that as well as anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the fact that the teams are having success now and making national tournaments on a regular basis and so on and so forth, um, it's just a byproduct of that to me, um, you know, and it's fun. The reason why, you know, for me, I look at it as uh, wins and losses are fun because they give you that little extra benefit. And if you win really a lot of games and you end up going to the NCAA tournament, that's a really cool experience to have. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not looking at it as a pressure pack situation where you have to win all the time. Right. Um, I'm looking at it as, you know, the success that you're having, whether it's on the ice or on the field or on the court, um, you know, those NCAA tournament and those national tournaments and those wins come, that's the benefit. That's one of the benefits of it, but it's certainly not the only one. And if you're lucky enough to make it to a national tournament and win a conference championship, those are moments, but that's just another moment in, in terms of the overall picture. Right. And that's the best way I can put it. I don't mm-hmm. know how else no, to that's, it, that's actually really put really well. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's that really sort of well. like the overall, uh, uh, picture for, you know, and th- and that goes for all the athletes that I cover, regardless of whether it's U- UWS or UMD. It's the same thing. Yep. Um, because eventually, sports run out on you when you're <laughs> when you're a, a coach or a, or a, or a player. So, yep. You know, you you have your you have your moments, and that's it. it all has but life is a lot more than that. Yep. You know, so and it's a chapter of your life. It's not your whole life. And you, what you want to do is you want to be able to create those lasting relationships. And you know, apropos your point, um, you want to create those those relationships that last beyond. Uh, the time that you're either playing or coaching, mm-hmm. and and it sounds like that's exactly what's happened. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely so. right. So, at any rate, though, for some sports, are a very important piece, and <laughs> some of them are in action this weekend. So let's talk about that. What do we have coming? Yeah, up? Yeah, we got uh, a series of games coming up. Uh, several home games actually on the slate here coming up. Busy so. weekend. Yeah, it's a busy weekend. Busy weekend. Um, men's basketball, women's basketball, of course, are home for doubleheaders this weekend. The women have an extra game as well next week, so we'll talk about that here. Uh, but both teams are at home on Friday and Saturday, taking on Northwestern and North Central, respectively. Friday against Northwestern, uh, men's basketball will, will lead things off with a 5.30 p.m. tip. Then the women will follow up with a 7.15 tip. 
And then on Saturday, that's be the, that would be the 21st, so in two days from where we're recording this, North Central comes to town to take on the Yellow Jackets. That'll be 3 p.m. and 4.45. Yours truly, that being me, will be on the air on 91.3 FM with that. We'll actually have a triple header of Yellow Jacket Sports on Saturday. Sports triple header. Yeah, sports, sports triple sports, header. Sports, 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 Yep, sports, 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 sports. Uh, 15 minutes ahead of each tip, or 15 to 20, depending upon. So uh, with the uh, North Central men's game, 3 p.m., the opening tip there, probably on the air between 2.40 and 2.45, depends on how much me and Coach Polk talk in the pregame. Um, and then uh, with the women, a 4.45 start, that kind of like goofy 15 minutes in there, uh, probably about a 4.30 uh, uh, pregame there. Um, and then the women have that extra game coming up on Tuesday, January 24th at Finlandia. That'll be a 5.30 p.m. Second time that we'll have played Finlandia on the road. So uh, that's A little more up. snow on this one. Yeah, though. a little more snow <laughs> and a little bit slower going, I think, going up, uh, going up uh, toward Hancock there. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that's just coming up for the basketball teams. Meanwhile, women's hockey, uh, they are at River Falls tonight, as we talked about, this being on a Thursday. And then they will be back home January 21st, Saturday as well, taking on River Falls. It'll be 7 p.m. opening faceoff from Westman Arena. Men's hockey, meanwhile, Friday and Saturday. A couple of uh, interesting things here that both those games are on the road, John, and that it's a two-game set against UW-Eau Claire because it's been home and home well, for, I feel like, for a while, and now it's a two-game set on the road against UW-Eau Claire. For no, the last couple of years it, it changed. Okay. Um, when they went back to playing everybody in the conference three times, you, you started to see the – the two game series coming okay. back, right? And because yeah. like last year, it was it was here, okay. And in the Friday game, we shut them out, and then Saturday they won and they didn't lose again the rest of the year, right? Yeah. So we we poked the bear and finally helped right. Eau Claire wake up and they've been really good ever since. So, right? Yeah, you know. So uh, again, so Claire going back to that one men's hockey Friday and Saturday, January twentieth and the twenty first. So tomorrow and Saturday taking on the Blue Golds down at Hobbs Ice Arena in Eau Claire. 7 p.m. starts both nights on 91.3 FM, pregame at 6.30 both nights. So that's what's coming up for them. Well, and then, pregame 6.30 Friday, Okay. and then pending conclusion of women's okay. basketball Women's Saturday. basketball, so right after women's basketball, yeah, because yeah, I triple header. Again. Most likely it's going to be right after. Okay, yeah, so that's what, that's what we have coming up there. So a triple header, single game on Friday on the broadcast airwaves, and then three – on Saturday, so we'll be busy there. And then last but not least, men's and women's indoor track and field back in action. They're hosting the Twin Ports Open this Saturday, January 21st at Lydia Thiering Fieldhouse, 11 a.m. Both the men and women get things underway there. So, like you said, a lot coming up. Mental Health Awareness Day at the Fieldhouse, too. Is it? So, oh, yes, that's right. It is. Yeah. So, it's okay. the, uh, the cause day for track and field. No admission being charged, but uh, people encouraged to make a goodwill donation. And all that goes to the Miller Dewan Foundation okay. for mental health awareness and research in the Twin Ports. And that alone is outstanding. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the news that's fit to print. Yeah, that's uh, that's what's coming up this week. Um, so uh, a lot of games coming up in kind of a short space of time, really. Uh, a bunch of a bunch of Friday and Saturday happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, one game on Thursday and one game on, on uh, Tuesday. And then, uh, of course, the, the track and field as well, joining in with uh, the, the two basketballs and the men's hockey and women's hockey, for that matter, on Saturday. So it's a very, very busy weekend, and most of the teams are at home. So if you get a chance to come out and watch them, uh, feel free. If not, you can check us out on 91.3 FM. Again, as always, our broadcast uh, schedule, our full broadcast schedule, is on the Broadcast Central page on the Athletics website at uwsyellowjackets.com. So check that out in case you have any other further questions about our upcoming schedule, but that's what's coming up this week. And that'll do it for this week's episode. We want to thank our guests this week, Dan Laughlin and CeCe Hayes from the Yellow Jacket women's hockey team. We want to thank Sanyum Shrestha in the control room, running things for the first time. So welcome aboard to our new 
production guru and uh, for Sanyum, for the Big Sound Matt Johnson, I am John Garber, and thank you for listening to Eye of the Swarm. 